Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Have you done your Christmas shopping already? Not yet? If not yet, you're late. <laughs> Should have done that September. <laughs> so, uh, we, last month we completed the uh, selected chapters in, uh, in the book of Psalms and we in continue with a new series. Of course, we are going to start a new series with a new theme. Of course, this is December and obviously we are going to talk about we're going to talk about Old Testament prophecies. <laughs> you know, Christmas is the most widely celebrated uh, holiday in the world. Would you agree? Would you agree that it's widely known? It's widely known. It's, uh, it's being celebrated everywhere. It's very obvious that you're celebrating Christmas because of Christmas tree, you have uh, regalo, you have parol, you have Christmas lights, you have carols, you have reunions, you have Christmas party, you have special numbers from your offices, mga dance number, mga competition, raffle. So you only do that during the you know, Christmas holiday. But you know what? Um, among many people, there's a particular group that's really uncomfortable when it comes to Christmas celebration. They are very uncomfortable when it comes to Christmas uh, season. And you know what that people group are? The Jews. In fact, uh, you can correct me, uh, CO staff, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the U.S., uh, it's more politically correct to say Happy Holidays than Merry Christmas, right? Because if you say Merry Christmas, you might offend people who don't celebrate it, right? So if you're in the U.S., you don't say Merry Christmas, you say Happy Holidays. So how many of you have friends who are Jews? Meron kayo? Ah, there you go, Elder Pete, Ate Lisa, yan. Meron pa ba? How many of you who are Jews? You're Jew. Jewish. Wala naman? Okay, good. <laughs> good. Because I'm going to say some things right now that might offend you. <laughs> so, if you, are, if you have a Jewish friend, if you know that's uh, someone who's Jewish, um, and if you tell them the Christmas story, you show them, sabi mo, the Christmas story is found in the Bible in either Matthew or Luke, they will tell you, what, do, what will they tell you? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> well, close, because they will tell you, what Bible are you talking about? What Bible are you talking about? Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the rest do not exist for them. So if you're going to talk about the Christmas story and not mention any of the New Testament scriptures, how, you are, how are you going to tell the Christmas story to them? So what we are going to do this whole month of December we are going to do something that's unusual. Normally, kapag uh, this December season, we uh, select stories and passages in the New Testament pointing to the Nativity or the Christmas story. But this whole month, we are going to look into the book of Isaiah and tell you that there are 
instances there in some of the passages that will point us to the Christmas story. So, you know, the goal this afternoon and this whole month is to show you how Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, describes the coming Messiah. Okay, the coming Messiah. And what we hope to happen throughout this month is that we will show you different uh, themes and, and, uh, and images of who this Messiah is. And today, we are going to focus on this description why I think, you know, one of the reasons why the Jews do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. Because what you will see in Isaiah 49, 1-7, in Isaiah 49, 1-7, is that this coming Messiah is a servant. And if you tell them that, that the, the, the coming Messiah, the Savior, their Savior, is a servant, they will tell you, you got to be kidding me. Because what the, the person they're, they're expecting as their Messiah is a political leader, someone who will rule. So just to describe that the Messiah is a servant is something like an offense or something like, ah, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. So they, this, they skip this part of their scripture. But my point this afternoon is not to bring the you know, Jewish people down, but to raise our appreciation of the Christmas message. It's more than what we think it is. It's more than what we think it is. And the reason why we're doing this is because there's a danger that we might take the Christmas story for granted because we celebrate it year after year after year. We might take the message of Christmas for granted. And I hope that as we go through the book of Isaiah, we will see images of who this Messiah is and appreciate and understand, wow, this Messiah is amazing. So this afternoon, uh, the, the description that we have for this Messiah is a servant. The, the Messiah that's coming on Christmas Day, foretold in the book of Isaiah, is a servant. So what I'm going to give to you are three descriptions of who this servant is. So if you would turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, and let me tell you, it's not easy to read Isaiah. It's not re- easy to study Isaiah. Just a tip for those who are studying Isaiah, since it's a prophetic book, you don't take it literally. Okay? You don't take it liter- literally, and also, since it's a prophetic book, it will always point to a future reality. Sometimes it will point to a present reality of where they are. So let me tell you right now, spoiler alert, yung passage natin is all about Jesus. That's it. It's all about Jesus. So, Isaiah 49, 1-7. Let me read. Uh, I'm reading NIV. Listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver, he said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. 
I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, verse 5, He formed me in the womb to be His servant, to bring Jacob back to Him, and to gather Israel to Himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Verse 7, this is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who has despised and aborted by the nations, the servant of rulers, Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful. The Holy One of Israel has chosen you. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. So the coming servant is a Messiah. Uh, the, the coming Messiah is a servant. And who is this servant? Let me give you three descriptions. First, the servant is a servant whose arrival was announced. That seems like a simple statement, but hang on. How many of you know of a servant whose arrival was announced? Is it usual, is it a normal thing for someone who's a servant to be announced when he arrives, when he or she arrives? When, president, when the president of China comes to the Philippines, his coming will be announced. When the president of the Philippines will attend our worship service, I will definitely announce that to you. I will not ask any magiging reaction. <laughs> you announce the arrival of someone you think is important. You announce the arrival of your favorite uncle coming from the U.S. or from abroad, returning home because it's the Christmas season. You announce that to the family. You don't announce the arrival of the servant. And that's why this is ridiculous in the eyes of many Jews. Why would our Messiah be a servant? Even worse, why would his arrival be something of an importance? Look at how our passage starts. Listen to me. The Lord is speaking here. All you distant lands, pay attention, you who are far away. So he is, of course, this is a prophetic book. This is written for the people of Israel. But he is saying, pay attention, everyone. Pay attention, everyone. Even if your, your nation is far, far away from Israel. It's like holding a megaphone to all the world and saying, hear ye, hear ye, the Lord is coming. So the Lord called me before my birth. It was foretold. From within the womb, He called me by name. The name was already prepared even before the servant was born. How was He described? He made my words of judgment as sharp as sword. Meaning when He speaks, kapag nagsalita siya, it will cut to the heart. Do you know of anyone who's like that in the scriptures? When he speaks, it speaks with power. 
when he speaks, and this is written in the book of Hebrews, when he speaks, it cuts to the heart. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. It's so unheard of that a servant's arrival will be announced. It's so unheard of. So, finally, <laughs> the past few weeks, uh, I was able to watch this movie. Do you know this movie? So, uh, last weekend, me and my wife uh, were watching uh, HBO and this movie was on. And, and we watched it. Maybe she enjoyed it. I enjoyed maybe half the time. <laughs> so, this is Pride and Prejudice. How many of you watched it? Did, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it, guys? Good for you. <laughs> so I told my wife, you know, I, every time I watch movies like this, ang genre ata nito, you, you'd say Victorian, Renaissance, classic, something like that. All right. <clears throat> uh, I get them mixed a lot. <laughs> so uh, I don't know wh- what's the story of Pride and Prejudice, Dunsa Sense and Sensibility, uh, Little Women. They're all the same to me. Because I understand half the time what they're talking about. I mean, do you even talk like that? <laughs> so I'm just talking about this because I really just, I, I'm so uh, amazed how they introduce themselves and how they introduce people. So for example, kapag may bisita ka, ang unang papasok dun sa, sa hall or sa, dun sa inyong area is the servant. And the servant will say, Sir, Miss Elizabeth Bennett is in the house. Diba? Mas, mas courteous pa. Or kapag, if there's a, in a party, so royalties will, will come in and uh, the, the servants or the heralds will say, Hey, listen up! Queen Victoria is here. Listen up! Sir Chris Drinkard is in, in town. You announce that sometimes with trumpets and, and everything. There's even a letter. You, you announce the arrival of someone who's important. And in any of these movies, you will never see, and even in history, you will never see a servant being announced. Only in the book of Isaiah. That a servant, a lowly servant's arrival will be announced. This was announced in Matthew 1. Two different stories of the Christmas story. Yung Luke uh, narrative is focusing on angel uh, Gabriel talking to Mary. Yung Matthew, the angel talking to Joseph. And they are saying the same thing. Ito yon. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child in her womb, just like our passage, for the child in her womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. Joseph, select a name for your son. Is that what it says? It says, You are to name him Jesus. You are to name him Jesus. 
Our, our passage says, from within the womb, he has been named already. He has been named already. The name Jesus is important because of its meaning. It means, for he will save his people from all their sins. This servant is important because his arrival shows us that we have now a Savior. You know, we have a a beautiful, beautiful uh, Christian tradition that I really hope that we find a way to, uh, to put in our maybe worship services. I don't know how because of smoke detectors. Uh, maybe in our families or, or things like that. The Advent. The Advent is announcing or preparing the coming of someone. And the Advent in our Christmas tra- uh, Christian tradition is preparing ourselves for the coming of the Messiah. So in our Chris, uh, Christmas tradition, in, in Christians, we light one candle on the, first, uh, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and today actually is the first day of Advent. Today. So today we are celebrating the first, the start of the Advent. So you, have one, you light one candle on one Sunday, and then light one candle again, and then light, light one candle again, and then light one candle again, and then you light the fifth candle on Christmas Day. It teaches you anticipation of the coming King, of the coming Messiah. And it reminds you that you are announcing in your home and in your congregation that we are declaring someone is coming. Someone is arriving on December 25. And that's a beautiful Beautiful um, tradition. <clears throat> I, uh, this morning, I preached at Heroes, and one of the, the parents approached me after the service and said, Pastor, I was inspired by that uh, tradition. We don't do that anymore. But I think we will do that in our care group just to teach my children that Christmas is not about them. That when they light the candle of the Advent, it will teach them, we are anticipating the coming of someone that greater than my gifts. We, I am anticipating the coming of someone more special than I am. So it will teach them something. So you know, I hope that we can do that because the Advent, one, uh, announces that the, the arrival of the Messiah has come. And he, we are also announcing that we, He will come again. That He will return. And how was it announced in our passage? Yes, it was uh, all the nations were, were called to pay attention, to listen up. And that's the second description that we have with this servant. The servant, yes, he was called from the nation Israel. It was the servant will be commissioned from the people, the nation of Israel, but he is a servant that serves all nations, not just Israel. Again, just like our first point, Israel is a very uh, patriarchal and parochial kind of uh, people. You know, for, for the Hebrews, for the Jews, the God they worship is their God and not your God. The God they worship 
is just their God. It's theirs, not yours, not ours. They're very possessive like that. The God of the Hebrews is the God just for the Hebrews. That's how they think. That's how they feel. But look at this in verse 5. Now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, to be what? To be his servant, who commissioned me to, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of this servant? To bring Israel back to him, to restore the people of Israel. Keep in mind, what you are reading right now in, in the book of Isaiah, at this time, the nation Israel is destroyed. They are in captivity. They are desperate for their identity. They are, they are scared. They don't have any hope. So for them to hear that uh, someday a servant will come to bring Israel, our nation, back to him, that's good news for them. But you know what? The passage did not stop there. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me the strength. Verse 6 says, I will do more then restore the people of Israel to me. My commissioning, my role as a servant is more than that. I will make you a light to the nations. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. You know my proof, my proof of this happening today? You and me. We said none of us are Jews here, but yet we worship the God of the Hebrews. None of us are Jews here, but we, our, our favorite Jew is Jesus, <laughs> the carpenter. Our proof that this is happening today is us. The thousands and thousands of years after and thousands and thousands of miles away, we call on this same God, the God of the Hebrews. That's proof that the servant does not only serve the people of Israel, the servant is someone who serves all nations. So last month, we finished the book of Psalms, and the Psalms is not just good for poetry, songs, prayer, and lyrics for your uh, new favorite worship song. It's also good for prophecies like this. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. I, today I have begotten you. I ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. And the ends of the earth, your possession. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. You know, even the first few disciples... The first disciples had difficulty figuring this out. When the first disciples started to talk about the gospel, they were, they were preaching it with the Jews, and of course, Jewish, Jewish people were being converted. They became Christians. And eventually, as they continued to preach the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, guess what? Gentiles were being converted. Gentiles were becoming Christians and Peter was uncomfortable with that. Peter was saying, what's going on? My message are just for the Jews. You Gentiles are going to hell. 
But God intervened in a, in a vision that says, Hey, they are my people too. They are my people too. And I serve them as well. You know, I mentioned this, and this is important because there's always a danger for us as, who's already in the faith of being a close group, of being possessive as well, of being territorial instead of being inclusive. You know, we only love those who look like us, talk like us, react like us, smell like us, or think like us. Because we think they are, you know, they might be someone that we can be friends with, someone that we can uh, partners with. But look at this statement from Jesus himself, Mark 10, 44, 45. Whoever wants to be first must be, must be what? Slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This servant, this Messiah, yes, he is a servant, and he's serving not just the nation of Israel, he is serving all the nations. And he is serving us. You know, that's the essence of Christianity. Sometimes our approach to Christianity is, what can I do to serve God? The gospel is not us serving God. The gospel is God already served us. God already served us. I'll mention that later again. So the last description of this servant is the servant pleases the one who sent him. If we say that the servant is serving all the nations, sino ang boss niya? Ang boss niya ba yung Israel? Ang boss niya ba yung Pilipinas? Diba? Meron tayong, sino ba nagsabing president nun? Ako, ikayo ang boss ko. Si Pinoy, no? Si Pinoy ang nagsabi nun. Kayo ang boss ko. You know, this servant, it's very clear to him who his boss is and very clear to him who he is serving to please. Last verse of our passage, the Lord, the Redeemer, and Holy One of Israel says to the one who is despised, rejected by the nations, to the one who is servant of rulers, the servant of all nations, kings will stand at attention when you pass by, princes will also bow low, because of the Lord, the faithful one, the holy one, who has chosen you. The God who sent the servant commissioned him to serve all the nations, and this servant aims to please the one who sent him. His sole desire in his whole life, the servant, his goal in life, is to please the one who sent him. And this is very important, especially this time of Christmas, because, you know, we always say Christmas, uh, Jesus is the reason for the season, it's all about Jesus, but, you know, sometimes we take it for granted 
But Christmas becomes more and more and more about us. More about what kind of gifts will I receive? What kind of Christmas holiday will I experience? It, it will show on how we respond to the Christmas season. You know, this is, this is really important and I, I, I want to, to say this with love because sometimes we, we sometimes mix this up. Um, you know, sometimes we say to a person, you know, you are, bro, you are so special, Christ died for you. Alam mo, kapatid, you are so special, Christ died for you. Alam mo, you're, Jesus loves you so much that he, he spent His life thinking about you. Let me tell you, that's not exactly correct. That's not entirely correct. Because Jesus lived His life not thinking about you primarily, but thinking of His Father. Thinking of His connection, His ultimate a relationship with God the Father who sent Him. So instead of saying, Bro, you are so special, Christ died for you, you can say, You know what? God is so special. God is so special that even if you do not merit anything, even if we are sinners, God still sent His Son for you. God is the one who's special, not us. God is the one who has merit. That's why He is doing it. And so Jesus lives at the pleasure of His Father. And I, I say that because I, I mentioned this um, a few Sundays ago, why the, the relationship of Jesus and His Father is the most important thing in His life. My proof of that is Jesus' statement on the cross. When He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the, the most heartbreaking thing for Jesus because the most important thing for, for Him is to please His Father. And at that moment, He feels that there is a separation between Him and the Father because all the sins of the world, the wrath of God is being placed on Him. Another movie illustration. How many of you watched this movie, The Princess Bride? Finally, I, I watched this. <laughs> Finally, because my wife has been uh, pleading that we watch it together. So I watched it. By the way, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so for those who don't know the movie, Princess Bride, there's uh, a uh, part done. So this guy is the farm boy and he is in love, so in love with a lady named Buttercup. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I wish I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not. This lady named Buttercup. And, and he's just a farm boy. He's the servant of the family. So he's smitten with this lady and this Buttercup will give commands or give instructions to the farm boy. And he will say, farm boy, go get me this. Farm boy, go get me that. Farm boy, go do this. Farm boy, go do that. And always, always, the response of this man 
is what? As you wish. As you wish. You know what? He is not doing it to, to receive favor from Buttercup. He is doing it because it pleases Him. It pleases Him to serve Buttercup. Kahit na walang ginawa sa kanya yung babae, kahit na nga gumugulong na siya, <laughs> gumugulong na siya dun sa bundok, he's, he's uh, rolling downhill and he's saying, as you wish. That's what it means, you know, to, to ultimately please the one who you are fixated with. And that's what Jesus did all his life. He is fixated in pleasing the Father. And this is not just my interpretation. I'm not giving to you something that's new. This is coming from Jesus himself. So Jesus explained in John chapter 5, 19, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father is doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. So, Jesus' attention is always with the Father. What is the Father doing right now? I'm going to do it. What is he doing? I'm going to do it. He is, he is saying, as you wish. As you wish. Verse 34 says, I can do nothing on my own. He's not doing things on his own will. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus is not acting on his own. He is not acting on impulse. He is acting according to what pleases the one who sent him. And how, does, how did Jesus satisfy the pleasure of the one who sent him? I can, I can summarize it like this. His obedience satisfied the will of God. But His sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. Let me repeat that. This is how He fulfilled, He satisfied the will, the the pleasure of God. His obedience satisfied the will of God. But His sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. And that happened on the cross. That happened on the cross. The coming Messiah is a servant. He is a servant whose arrival was announced. He is a servant that serves all the nations. And he's the servant who pleases the one who sent him. Let me give practical applications on what it means uh, for us. Well, number one, we can make the advent or announcing the coming of this Messiah a lifelong pursuit. We don't have to just do it on a Christmas season. We do it like when we, when we gather together in worship. But we do it, you know, as a lifelong pursuit. Also, if we see that this Messiah serves all the nation, we can serve without prejudice. We can serve without bias. And lastly, if we see that the servant lives to please the one who sent him, we can also pursue 
a life that is pleasurable to God's will. How do I please the Lord with my speech? How do I please the Lord with my thinking? How do I please the Lord in my relationship with the opposite sex? How do I please the Lord when I'm stuck in traffic? How do I please the Lord when I don't receive the gifts that I'm expecting? How do I please the Lord when I need to be reconciled with my family? How do I live to please God Himself? But to be honest, just looking at these practical applications, it's hard. It's difficult. How much we want to make the Advent a lifelong pursuit, but sometimes we, we forget and we don't have the desire to, to talk, even talk about our faith. We serve according to our biases. That's the truth. We serve according to our prejudices. We serve people na merong balik sa atin. We serve because we feel in our hearts we can get something in return when we serve. And if we are really honest, most of the time we live at the pleasure of ourselves. We, we respond according to what makes us happiest the most. And this is why it's important to point that this coming Messiah is the greatest servant of all. And Apostle Paul reminds us this, summarizes this statement beautifully in Philippians 2 verse 5, actually until 11. But in verse 5 to 8, he says, In your relationships, in your Christian faith, in your Christian walk, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have, consider Christ in your life. How? Verse 6 says, Who in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage? Instead, He made Himself what? Nothing. He made Himself zero by taking the very nature of a servant. What kind of servant? Being made in human likeness the God of the universe the one who, whom creation is created for became human in being found in, a, in appearance of, as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross he satisfied in his obedience the will of God in his sacrifice, he satisfied the wrath of God for us. No wonder the title Servant of God in Isaiah is the highest title that God can bestow to anyone because that's the title of his son, our Savior, the greatest servant of all. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we realize that the message of good news is not limited to, to the New Testament. It's not limited to just two books in the Gospels. It's the grand story, God. 
the story of how you entered into history and how it was foretold. As we continue to, to learn about the coming Messiah this whole month, thank you for the reminder that yes, you are our King, you are our Savior, but you are also our servant. Lord, even before we serve you, even before we even comprehend how we can serve you through our lives or even in the ministries, thank you that you already served us. We always say that we cannot outgive you. We also acknowledge and recognize we cannot outserve you. You served us on the cross. And so we thank you that we can look to you and as we respond with faith and repentance, we know that we can serve through you as well. Lord, continue to plant this in our hearts and allow this message to to penetrate our souls and allow it to bear fruit, especially in this Christmas season, that we will understand, we will know what it means to worship the greatest servant of all and to glorify Him in all our lives as we serve one another. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.